sex workers for sex workers. I am a skater, skater face Selena. Skater face? <laughs> skater face. <laughs> skater face. Yes. Okay. I was going to say skater boy Selena. I just wasn't sure what my, my gender was today. Mm. I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> Reality. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm meditative Cordy. Nice. Corey? I can say my name. Corey. Yeah. You're like, whom am I? <laughs> Consistently, I've been one thing, but maybe today it's different. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys, today it's just Corey and me. We're chilling. Uh, we are in the studio. It's post Thanksgiving. Um, our bellies are full. Our hearts are. I was going to say warm, but then I was like, I don't know. Uh, it's not... About the same as they were prior to the holiday season. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, also, uh, let's just say uh, we're going to plug ourselves at the beginning of episodes now so that you don't forget it. You don't fucking forget it. <laughs> um, so, Corey, you go first? Yes. So, you can find me at the goddess Corey on Instagram, on Twitter, Um I have a link tree. You can click the links. Click those links. Click them. Venmo, PayPal? Venmo is at HCORE. That's an H-C-O-R-E. And uh, Cash App, it's the cash tag S-P-C-O-R-I. Awesome. Um, Definitely send them some monies. Send them some coin to support some the work that they money. do and the commute that they have out here. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's much longer. <laughs> I mean, send them like 10 bucks. Send them 10 bucks just to say, hey, um, I'm Selena. You can follow me on Instagram at Pretty Boy Girl. You can follow my Patreon at The Real Pretty Boy Girl. Um, you can follow the podcast at Home the Know at uh, Instagram. And uh, yeah, you know, Venmo me at selena the stripper and i and you know what i think that's also my cash app is selena the stripper um i don't know i vacillate between selena the stripper and selena the strumpet the strumpet where did that come from strumpet strumpet is like one of those old-timey words to call someone a whore yes yes yeah (laughs) she's a whore a whore a strumpet we don't need her type here yeah exactly that (laughs) i like the old-timey uh slut shame (laughs) you want to take it back it's just funny at this point yeah yeah it's not like not gonna like lose my my household and uh yeah, mm-hmm. all of that for being a whore. Yeah. I'll just be living well. Every episode, we begin with the segment we call Historical Hose. Quick content warning. We're about to discuss uh, sexual assault and gun violence. So if you are a particularly uh, sensitive member of our audience, please just skip ahead a little bit. And this week's Historical Ho is... Valerie Jean Solanus. Valerie Jean Solanus was born April 9, 1936, and she was a radical American feminist and author best known for writing The Scum Manifesto. Shout out to The Scum Manifesto. It doesn't get more radical than that. <laughs> uh, so she published that in 1967 uh, and uh, attempted to murder Andy Warhol in 1968. Pretty impressive. Man, I, this just brings me back to college because uh, there was like a manifestos reading thing that one of my good friends uh, put on, um, and they just had us reading all of these wonderful manifestos. And <laughs> it was just like, let's just murder the men. Yeah. <laughs> just <I'm> like, cool. <laughs> um, so Valerie Jean Solanus was born uh, in Venter City, New Jersey, to Luis Solanus and Dorothy Marie Biondo. Uh, her father was a bartender, and her mother was a dental assistant. Solana said that her father regularly sexually abused her. Content warning. This historical ho segment includes a uh, sexual assault description. Okay, anyway, continuing. Her parents divorced when she was young, and her mother remarried shortly afterwards. Solanus disliked her stepfather and began rebelling against her mother, becoming a truant. I love that term. She skipped school. So as a child, she wrote insults for children to use on one another for the cost of a dime. That's fucking amazing. Uh, 
So she beat up a boy in high school who was bothering a younger girl and also hit a nun. Rockstar. Because of her rebellious behavior, in 1949, her mother sent her to be raised by her grandparents. Solanus said that her grandfather was a violent alcoholic who often beat her. Amazing family situation as a... And you know what? Anyway. When she was 15, she left her grandparents and became homeless. In 1953, she gave birth to a son, fathered by a married sailor. The child, named David, was taken away from Solanus, and she never saw him again. Despite this, she graduated from high school on time and earned a degree in psychology from the University of Maryland, College Park, shout out UMD, uh, while... Uh, I, I'm going to tell you guys, I went to school in Maryland near UMD, and, uh, you know, they were just one of the colleges around the corner, so some of my homies went there, so shout out to UMD. <laughs> anyway, while at UMD, she hosted a call-in radio show where she gave advice on how to combat men. At that point, she was an open lesbian, despite the conservative cultural climate of the 1950s. She attended the University of Minnesota's Graduate School of Psychology for a year before dropping out. She then uh, hitchhiked to California and, did at and attended a few courses at Berkeley before returning to New Jersey in the early 1960s. It was during this time that she began writing the Scum Manifesto, which urged women to overthrow the government, eliminate the money system, and institute complete automation and eliminate the male sex things we can all agree with. So Solanus moved to New York City in the mid-1960s. She initially lived in a women's residence hotel in the Upper West Side and worked in the coffee house, but eventually became a Greenwich Village fixture. She bounced between the, East, the Hotel uh, Earl, the Chelsea Hotel, and the Village Plaza Hotel, lugging her old typewriter everywhere she went, always hustling for customers to pay for her writing Converse, er, conversations or sex. She was an out asexual lesbian who worked as both a waitress and a sex worker uh, or prostitute, pre previous language used right here, uh, sexually servicing men. <laughs> I just like, Corey, I love how many lesbians are just out here out here asexual but yeah. you know what i will sell my hole uh, yeah you can use my hole for money you can uh, use my hole for enough money yes <laughs> <laughs> it was in new york that she met pop artist andy warhol and asked him to produce her play up your ass <laughs> oh my god i love this so much <laughs> about a street smart lesbian prostitute and her comrades um, shout out to the audience. Would you like to do this play up your ass eventually? <laughs> I would. Hell yeah. I would love to star in and direct up your ass. <laughs> Just putting that out into the world. So she gave him her script, which she later accused him of losing or stealing. What the fuck? Warhol? After Solanus demanded financial compensation for the lost script, Warhol hired her to perform in his film, I, a man, paying her, what I guess, how much is it? Um, two dollars. <laughs> Almost twenty-five dollars. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> cool, big money, big money. It's 1967. So in 1967, Solanus began self-publishing The Scum Manifesto. Olympia Press owner uh, Maurice uh, Gio G Girodius, Girodius, I'm going to go with that one, offered to publish Solanus' uh, future writings, and she understood the contract to mean that uh, Girodius would own her writing. Convinced that Girodius and Warhol were conspiring to steal her work, Solanus purchased a gun in early 1968. I want to say, you know, if you'd like to own a gun. <laughs> Corey just like looked at me like, what the fuck are they going to say? Uh, oh my god. You know. Anyway, <laughs> I have nothing to say. Never mind. <laughs> On June 3rd, 1968, she went to the factory, the famous Warhol factory, you guys, where she found Warhol. She shot at Warhol three times, the first two shots missing, and the third wounding Warhol. Not a very good shot. 
So she also shot at art critic Mario uh, Amaya, um, Amaya and attempted to shoot Warhol's manager, Fred Hughes, point blank, but the gun jammed. Solanus then turned herself into the police. She was charged with attempted murder, assault, and illegal possession of a gun. She was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, I mean, I guess that makes sense, and pleaded guilty to reckless assault with intent to harm, serving her three-year prison sentence, including treatment in a psychiatric hospital. Also, what the fuck, psychiatric hospital in 1968? Um, it's very sketch, do not trust sounds horrific. Anyway, upon her release, Solanus continued levying threats toward other publishing figures, landing her back in psychiatric care in 1975. Although I do want to say that like this is probably pretty valid and uh, there is a lot of gatekeeping in the publishing companies and uh, if you don't want your work to be stolen and owned by other people, it's reasonable to be upset about these things because it does happen. So validity, but also mental health issues. Anyway, she resurfaced later in the death, uh, decade with a revised edition of the Scum Manifesto and a contentious interview with The Village Voice, in which she boasted of being offered a hundred million advance to write her life story and called shooting Warhol a, quote, moral issue. I want to say that she... <laughs> I was going to say she stuck to her guns. Oh, but she... but Yes. I mean, she did. <laughs> <laughs> Solanus moved to Phoenix, where she reportedly lived on the streets and then to San Francisco. Ugh, okay, this is uh, getting grim. I mean, I guess it was grim. There was already a sh shooting incident. It gets grim, so if you want to skip one minute. She was discovered dead in her hotel room on April 29, 1988, after the owner came to investigate her lapsed payments. Her death from pneumonia came 14 months after Warhol's. Her mother burned all her belongings posthumously. That's another what-the-fuck sentence to uh. end on. And that is the really tumultuous and interesting life of Valerie Jean Solanus. This week's Historical Ho. Wow, that was a journey. That was a real journey. I would watch a play of that, or even a musical of her life. Oh my god, a musical of her life? Yeah, I think <laughs> it would be. It would be incredible. It'd be drama and and you know. I know that would be like oh man, there were so many twists and turns there, and like just up your ass. Yeah. As a concept, I would just want to see like a little cut of like what people imagine that to be because i imagine the manuscript doesn't exist mm. i mean i don't know pretty crazy yeah but uh yeah historical ho and uh i didn't know that she was involved in uh sex work i don't know why i didn't i should have gathered that i feel like i i knew that through some sort of way I knew that mm -hmm. or maybe it was a feeling maybe it was just yeah. a, a, it's like a I can I smell like a hoe she's from, a whore yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know it was well very interesting um, oh, also, you guys, I'm going to be starting a TikTok about historical hoes. Are you going to start a TikTok? I'm going to be TikToking about historical hoes. Oh, yeah. So keep an eye out for that. I will tell you whenever I put stuff up. Just because, you know, I think that these translate well. But um, anyway, so here we are. And uh, there, okay. I want to, there's like a couple of things that I want to talk about, but I know you have a rant. I do. I, another Corey's rant. Corey, uh, cor <laughs> Corey's corner. Corey's corner <laughs> where I rant. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, Wildflower Sex Shop. Oh. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> oh my God. Why are you at it again? I'm I'm so confused. Why didn't you learn your lesson the first time? Context. Okay, recently yeah. uh Shop NB uh it has been in sort of a back and forth with uh Wildflower Sex Shop because Wildflower Sex Shop tried to claim that they were uh They tried to copyright copywriting the word NB. NB, which doesn't make any sense. If you guys don't know what NB is, it's like the, you know, 
way that we phonetically spell out non-binary, like N-B. E-N-B-Y. Yeah. Yeah. And N-B, uh, or, uh, uh. What's toy NB or the shop NB? Shop NB. Uh-huh. Um, they spell their name E N B Y. Anyway, and so they got uh, shop NB got a cease and desist letter from a uh, wildflower sex shop because they were using it, the word NB. Um, why? Why? <laughs> why? 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 <laughs> why? Why? Further context. Why? Um, like a year ago they got into trouble because they weren't paying black femmes for their labor they were like doing trades Mm -hmm. as opposed to like compensating uh, them monetarily exactly Um, so a bunch of people like I remember like Venus and Cuffs uh, Ashley Chubby Bunny Whitney uh, I'm forgetting their last name a bunch of other people yeah but a bunch of people wrote an open letter to them um i forget the publication they wrote it for um like basically calling them out on everything they had done to them and it wasn't just one black femme it was like five (laughs) Mm -hmm. um it was it was a predatory behavior that like they had and so they uh privated their instagram they like got they went low they didn't say anything for a while yeah that's what you do whenever you didn't do anything wrong right oh they <laughs> they did make a, a po- quote-unquote big quote-unquote apology a quote apology a quote apology that wasn't an apology that was just <sighs> yeah um and it came to light that um one of the people who runs a uh, wildflower sex shop actually works for google mm. and <laughs> No wonder they have the money. Yeah. And yeah. They, they, it's not anyway. Um, and so since then I hadn't heard anything about them until shop envy, uh, opened up about what that exchange was. Ugh. And I just, I'm, and I mean, it's a bigger issue with like the, with the industry anyway. I, you know, with getting like sponsorships with getting, you know, uh, it, there's all there's sometimes an ethical uh uh part to it um yeah i mean there's there's always like this ethical thing about you know making or like repping for something in capitalism yeah <laughs> and something that you wouldn't and necessarily like otherwise like rep or you know you need money like <laughs> so yeah you know and then the the whole thing with like trades i know i've done like shoots where it's been for trade mm-hmm. and uh you know yeah. i mean it's like they're making so much money too it's like wildflowers like you know they're one of the bigger like toy and and like product companies out there like they are independent but like they're bigger and i mean they do have those fucking google ties and shit mm-hmm. like that and they're also like white owned yeah i just feel like we've been seeing so much with like the the white companies like like make love not porn and erica lush shit and all like that we're seeing those companies like just really having these major like moral failures whenever it comes to like diversity inclusivity yeah and i mean the thing is is like they all tote themselves as like diverse and inclusive like they're the quote-unquote ethical brands right Mm -hmm. but yet like they don't even they can't even begin to like fathom what that actually means in practice like i think they all went to some liberal arts school and like studied some uh, like had a feminist class and they were like oh i know how to do this i can pull this off they're like i've sucked a black dick (laughs) i know what it's like (laughs) exactly so yeah Uh, it's just tricky and so another thing that's kind of come up for us is like we might uh we I was approached by somebody um, with the Cyber Clown Girls who was asking me if I wanted to possibly be sponsored by Dolls Kill. And whenever I heard it, I was like, oh, man, like, I need to figure out what I should do. And I need to talk to Corey before I make a fool of myself (laughs) and get into something just because I want some boots and a furry robe. (laughs) 
it truly comes down to that. It's truly just a furry robe. Uh, and then you take my whole moral platform. <laughs> uh, but so they were like, you know, I was like, okay, well, I'm not, I don't know how I feel about this. I need to talk to Corey. Um, but do you th- like, I would only ever do anything if they wanted to like also sponsor Corey and also like, um, you know, partner with my podcast and promote us. Cause it's just like, I mean, there was a huge showdown in the, um, meeting that happened between, uh, the clown girls and the community and dolls kill. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was not good for them. <laughs> it was not good for their publicity. Um, there were a ton of like very upset people of color, primarily black and non-binary uh, people who were like voicing their concerns about this, saying that there's like no inclusivity and they're just like using you for like bettering their image and they have no commitment to anything being better. And also the cyber, the cyber con girls show has like historically, it was not very inclusive until like somewhat recently um, after some people who were white performers with the clown girls like started saying like you need to be inclusive or I won't perform with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So I mean, there's just there's been that level of it. There's been the whole visibility of how the clown girls are kind of pretty white and like I'm I'm an honorary clown girl. Uh, so I, like, I don't also, I also don't disagree. Like, I know I'm fucking light skin. Like, I know I'm not like, you know, I am what I am. So I don't think I'm really pushing any envelopes as far as their image goes. Um, and I think that they do need to do more to be like radically inclusive, especially right now, whenever like, you know, they're able to get the promotion to have a show that, you know, makes money and like a lot of like dark darker skin and fat people and just you know trans people do not have the space to perform and don't have like the the benefactors and stuff in the same way like they should be leveraging their clout right now um so which somehow they've maintained like not a cyber clown girl show but um dolls kill has somehow maintained their their uh uh uh, their image was not tarnished so much that they they uh, couldn't come back from it. I mean, it was, though. I think especially, like, what happened, and I think we might have talked about this in, like, a previous episode, but, like, that picture that they posted during the, um, the just, like, the uprising and stuff. Um, of the people, of the uh, police officers. Yeah, yeah the, the, the picture of officers standing out in front of the Dolls Kill shop with, like, they're armed and they're forming a police line to protect, of course, property, <laughs> per use. Right. <laughs> um, but, like, they posted that and said something like solidarity or whatever. And I, yeah. and I was like, whoa, that was, like, really just out of touch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but again, we go back to it's another white-owned brand um, that it's sort of like marketed as like this like alternative, you know, we're weirdos sort of yeah. thing. But like you're not actually including the people who are seen as weirdos, like who are seen as different, who are seen as uh, who are othered. Yeah. So I mean, you're not making space for like people with disabilities, like. I mean, that's a huge thing. You never see, like, diversity with their models. Like, it's just the same skinny people. And even if they're kind of queer looking, it's still, like, skinny queer. There's no fat queer. There's no no disabled queer or, like, anything like that. Definitely no dark skin people. No dark skin. I mean, I think there might have been, like, one person that they added as a token, but... (laughs) But, (laughs) I mean, like, if you go on their website, which I'm not saying go on the website. Don't give them the traffic, but... Like, if you go on their website, like, most of their models are not, are just 
white skinny people yeah so it's like i want to see people like Corey on the site like right. yeah because i think it'd make it i would it'd be so beautiful <laughs> i mean like i and it's also like i feel like you're like the people that they aspire to be reaching yeah like that's what i like i i don't shop at dolls kill it anymore i used to i will be yeah. open about that but um like i go to the thrift store and i look for clothes that look similar to the things that they have um you know i make my own style so mm-hmm. like you know it's frustrating um that they don't see like the gap that they're creating they don't yeah i mean i think also like well for me cuz my background is in like fiber and textile stuff like um i think more about like the ethical impact that fast fashion has on like the environment and also on human rights in other places i mean it's just like fucking out of control like one the amount of waste that these industries create it's just like because they're making clothes to be turned over with like season to season like nothing is made to last and so it just ends up like in landfills or in the ocean and stuff like that um and then additionally like to create a lot of the colors and a lot of the i mean most of the clothes are like synthetic so they're made out of plastics so like to create them there's like a lot of like chemical usage and chemical um just you know excretion that bleeds out into the environments where in the countries where these clothes are produced and it typically is produced like all over various parts of asia like vietnam um bangladesh uh you know different parts of china as well i mean i think the a huge like ethical thing uh, right now too with a lot of our consumption is like the issue of the Uyghurs out in China. Uh, the Uyghurs are like the Muslim ethnic minorities that have been put into essentially concentration camps out there, and they're being forced to produce clothing for everybody, like Gap and Old Navy to Nike. I mean, pre- I mean, pretty much like any major brand, they're like out there using like the enslaved peoples out in China for labor to produce their stuff on pen- at pennies on the dollar, and then they send it down to Vietnam to stamp it like, oh, made in Vietnam, like for like the final procedures or whatever. And then they're able to like avoid like some of the, um, some of the like penalty stuff that's been sanctions that have been going on uh, between the US and China. So it's just like this whole fucked up system. (laughs) (laughs) So it's that. And then it's also like the majority of like workers and these places are women. Right. And women are getting paid, again, like pennies on the dollar, like 10 cents an hour or less in most places to produce your clothes that are sold for whatever amount of money, you know, and then and that money's just going to corporations and that money doesn't make it to communities and they're denied, you know, sick leave, they're denied child care, they're denied health care, all of these things. So it's really just this massive chain and I'm like... <laughs> Uh, yes, I want a fuzzy robe, but, but at what but cost? But at what cost? <laughs> at what cost? <laughs> also, at the cost of like my my moral high ground. You know, not that I have a, a major moral high ground, but you know, yeah, for you know whatever uh, integrity or uh, morals that we do have, it's like it's a it's a conundrum mm-hmm. um, to sort of. Uh, to get what you need or get what you want, but also have those have those virtues, mm-hmm. you know. Definitely, and I mean, th- I think especially right now, like, I mean, are we? Oh, can we talk about your housing stuff? Oh, sure. My, yeah. Well, I mean, so you've been kind of dealing with like an ongoing housing issue. Like you've you've moved back with your parents for now, but like yeah. Also, I mean, before that, you were dealing with some, um, yeah, some racism in my household. I mean, I mean, I've had ongoing like housing insecurity mm-hmm. for like a for the last what three years. I've been houseless, living in my car. I was living with. Um, people who were on meth lots and lots of meth um and other drugs but my meth was primarily it and had like a lot of people in and out of the house and like it was just like a very dangerous situation um yeah 
And yeah, so I mean, you've been going through that, and a lot of that is like, you know, housing out in LA is not affordable. It's no. not accessible. Also, you know, employment scarcity is a real thing, especially right now. So it's like these sponsorships, like, you know, they kind of they come at a time where people are desperate. And right. It's not like you're ever not desperate living under capitalism. Like, <laughs> no, but there is an ebb and flow to the situation that yeah. like sometimes it's the severity is greater at some points. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've been um seeing a lot of ads for the military or for the army um, recently. And I know a few people who are joining because they just don't have any other opportunities Mm -hmm. for themselves to, you know, get out of the situation that they're in, to get a job, to have money for food, (laughs) you know, and, you know, in education too. Um, And that's unfortunate. It's a, you know, I forget what it's called, but it's like the pipeline, the... Oh, yeah. The... Uh, I mean, it's like the school to military yeah. pipeline type thing. Or Yeah. I mean, essentially, it is just that. It's just like, you know, there's... With a greater and greater scarcity of of jobs and employment options and people just becoming more and more desperate, you know, we go to the things that we know are accessible... Um, and, you know, the military is one of them. I mean, we know for sure the U.S. government will fund the military if nothing else. If nobody else eats, the military will have a budget and we'll right. still be cranking out tanks. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. as for us, it's like this sponsorship, like, could be money. Right, yeah. <laughs> it could be money to support Corey and... Yeah. And exposure even to like as like much as like I don't know how like I how much I care about the the people who subscribe religiously to mm-hmm. Dolls Kill. It's exposure. It's it's a larger audience, it's more opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know? Um so it's like <sighs> Yeah, exactly. Sometimes <laughs> you just gotta cough it up. Yeah. <laughs> It it is that exactly like we're a small podcast and we would love to like increase our reach and um yeah so it's just it's so like you know it's one of those things where you just get offered shit by the, these fucking dubious <laughs> fucking explicitly evil corporations they're yeah. like how much would it cost for me to take a little sliver of your dignity <laughs> and we're but, like well w- minimum wage <laughs> how about a home yes a whole ass house i would love that um, uh, you can have my dignity for yeah no but i mean i think that sex workers often like are you know faced with that sort of um that question in or not often but like sometimes they're faced with that question of like what am i willing to sort of do for money mm-hmm. you know it's something i thought about before i started was yeah. like what are my limits and i like thought very hard about that before i started because i knew that like my limits might be pushed one day mm-hmm. um and so like yeah i mean totally i definitely i mean i before i started like stripping whenever i was just trying to sugar date and freewheeling and had no idea what the fuck i was doing and getting myself into trouble I didn't think about my limits really like I bought into some of the fake ideas like you can have a platonic sugar daddy (laughs) I I laugh at right now I'm like I was one of those (laughs) I believed that and I was not prepared to like face the reality of like what you know my limits being pushed and and knowing how to negotiate those things and um and so it yeah, I wasn't prepared until later on. It's an important question to ask yourself. Yeah, and I'm a little, I'm, again, worried during this time of scarcity where there are um, large swaths of new sex workers (laughs) um, coming in and, like, do they understand, like, the gravity of, like, what they're doing? Yeah. You know, not to, like, be, like, in that parental or, like, patriarchal. Uh, paternalizing paternalizing, yeah yeah. but like 
also it's like a lot of otherwise civilians who are coming into sex work who just need some quick cash or mm-hmm. to see it and think that they glamorize it and then what the actual result is going to be. Yeah, I think especially I, I see that. Well, I worry about that with um, people in like online sex stuff, like mm-hmm. on like camming and OnlyFans and stuff like that. Um, like, cause those are the most readily available and the most COVID safe options. But like the thing with the digital footprint is that the internet, like it's hard to remove something from the internet. Yeah. When I, uh, uh, I looked myself up like a year after I started camming and I found like somebody had like taken screenshots from my cam shows and like made websites for me. Wow. Uh, yeah. And like, I was like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So I, you know, and I, content gets stolen all the time and like reproduced other places, you know, Pornhub, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, and so, like, are they thinking about that? Yeah. I don't know, you know, and I maybe it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, the, you know, the reality is like a lot of people who are pretty young get into sex work. Because uh, it's viable, it's a way to make like middle class income or you know just income, and be young and not have experience and you know and make your own schedule. Make your own schedule. You can go to school. You exactly. Can have another. You have a day job. You know. Yeah, you can do all of the stuff and do sex work, and so it's like this thing that like you know is really accessible, and so we see a lot of young people doing it and. You know, there's not that as much consideration with some young people about like what it means to their future and stuff like that. It's like, I remember whenever I saw my videos like reposted from camming, like it really was a moment where I was like, oh shit, like I may not be able to get into childcare if I Mm. ever considered that, you know, like I may not be able to get into education depending. Mm -hmm. Um, Like all of that was so easily searchable um and it just and so that was you know and and now like that i have an online presence that does have like a lot of erotic content even if it is like tasteful nudes or whatever whatever quote unquote tasteful nudes (laughs) i don't okay strump it (laughs) okay strump it me just whoring my little ass around uh you know i i am aware that that is something that I will have to consider with how I'm perceived going into any vanilla situations, you know, Mm -hmm. from this point on, I'm a quick search away. And it's like, I had to make peace with that. And I also had to be like, okay, I'm like going fucking balls deep (laughs) with this work and I'm going to accept the consequences and I'm going to live it. And it's going to be my life, you know, and it doesn't always have to be your life, but it has to be something that like, if it gets brought up at like uncomfortable moments like you kind of have to have your own elevator pitch for Mm -hmm. explaining this part of your life yeah unfortunately like yeah and I think I think it's less and less so I like have or had a vanilla job and it was pretty like like it was like an office job and I told my supervisor that I was uh, told them vaguely like what I do and they were actually like pretty accepting and pretty open now this was I think this is a very isolated situation it would like they were very like progressive I hate using that word but yeah Yeah, they were very they were an open person Mm -hmm. and so like I felt comfortable enough coming to them with this information they actually came and saw me dance for pride it was sweet oh I love that (laughs) and there was this awkward moment where I'm like my supervisor didn't want to like put money in my underwear (laughs) yeah you didn't yeah we didn't want to cross some line to put money in your g-string yeah (laughs) (laughs) like handed it to like my coworker who I was like cool with and like they did it and I was like that's so sweet it was very sweet and so like very consensual i yes i think it like i think things are shifting and like will shift because that's the way of the world it's like change but like you know uh it's not true everywhere it's still you know i don't think the majority of situations are like that no it's definitely i mean it is getting better like people always ask me that and i'm like 
it feels like the stigma is less. Like I can talk to people about it and it's not like a term that they're completely unfamiliar with for the most part, like some men, but I think generally women and definitely queer people are familiar with the term. Yeah. Uh, And so like, it's not too hard to like start introducing it. Um, I mean, there is like a bit of an age gap with that, you know, like people who are like, over 40 or around 40 may not be as familiar but i've also seen like a number of 40 year olds who are familiar um so i mean i think it it is getting better as much as like you know the legislation and and online uh just policing of of sex content is not getting better right now right it's a very it's a very like it's not, yeah. Socially, like, okay, you uh-huh. know. Yeah. But, but like... Yeah, it's an uneven bit of progress. It's not all equally getting better. It's, like, in doses right. somewhat. I mean, I remember, like, being just really thrilled whenever I was, like, watching the... Or I was listening to the news and they called something sex work. And, they, mm. and I was like, oh, that's amazing. I've never heard that before. Really? <laughs> yeah, no. I've definitely heard that a lot lately, especially with, like, N- uh, NPR and, like, Al Jazeera, mm. CNN. Okay. Um, definitely, like, more leftist sources, although sometimes even right-wing sources will say sex work, but in, like, a, can you believe they're trying to call prostitution oh. sex work? <laughs> well, that's... Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, but they're still using that term. Like, it's Shoot. like oh, they're shit. putting it in the zeitgeist. Yeah, like, like, like people are going to be like, "What the fuck is that?" But they're going to also like search sex work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and they might get tapped into the labor movement, and they might be surprised. And, I then, don't know. and then shift completely left, and that's the way shift the- far left. Yes, far far left. Yes, <laughs> it's a hard turn. Yeah, yeah, but um. Yeah. Oh, I don't know where you came from. <laughs> oh, yeah. So then, okay, there's another thing that I was thinking about. Um, and I was, like, talking to some of my friends who were strippers before the pandemic and are now full-time whoring. And uh, <laughs> and uh, we were just, like, talking. We were like, man, there's, like, a beauty to being a whore as opposed to being a stripper. <laughs> like, there's actually, like, a surprising number of benefits. mm um, one of them is that stripping is incredibly hard on your body mm-hmm. and like my knees were so fucked up and like over the pandemic, um, because I've just been doing like out calls, like my knees have had time to heal <laughs> and now what's left is probably like a little bit of arthritis, but like, that's it. <laughs> it's doable. That's it. That's <laughs> all. Just like the crumbling of all of my cartilage and all of that. <laughs> so better. Uh, another thing is that, like, at the club, you're, like, forced to perform, like, this super high femme femininity. Mm-hmm. Or on the other side, if you're, like, a man, you have to perform hyper-masculinity. And, and there's, like, the whole, you know, beefed-up bro thing. And that and then, like, conforming to, like, cis normativity is just, like, expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Time-wise, money-wise, like learning, you need to learn new skills. You have to buy all these products. You have to like invest in your body. Just all of these things and like starting to escort, like I just didn't have to do as much for people to like be down for me. Like I don't have to like be a completely hairless mole rat. <laughs> like, I can have some pubic hair and like some armpit hair, and like mm. it starts a conversation. And the guys have like not been upset about it. Like some people have actually been really into it. Like mm. I had a client recently who was like, "Can you just grow out your pubic hair? Like just grow it all the way out, please." <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I know. <laughs> that's a I wonderful like, situation. Yeah, he was even like, "Are you on your period?" Let me know when your period is, because I want to fuck you on your period. Whoa. Like, <laughs> Hell yeah. I that's, was like, all right, all right, I hear you. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not, I'm like totally, you know, open. usually those are boundaries to, to entry for the club. That's yes. It's like n- no hair. No hair. <laughs> no, no. No visible tampons or yeah. anything. No bleeding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, 
you know, I was just so used to like, I mean, even not even having, being able to wear my hair natural at the club, like, mm. cause anti-blackness there is just like, so it's just intense and like escorting, like, I know that I do get discriminated against because I'm not white, but I also like don't have to deal with it as directly. Mm. Like people just don't inter- interact with my page, you yeah. know, like they're not looking, they're not looking for you. They're not looking for you. Yeah. They're so. not looking for me. They're not looking for me. It's not like I go up to them and they're like, I don't know about people like you mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or like, I'm not into black girls or I'm not into black people generally, or you're not as ghetto. Like mm-hmm. I don't get those things anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's like been a lot healthier. Um, Another great thing is that, like, with escorting, I know how much money I'm going to get going in. Like, I'm guaranteed that versus at the club where, like, you just go in with a hope and a prayer. (laughs) Yeah, and you're paying for entry. Yeah. So, you know, which, I mean, I guess if you count, like, buying clothes to, like, go to your escort. Yeah, but but, I mean, also, like, you know, you pay for, like, lingerie and shit. Right. So... But you're not paying to, like, go to the yeah. client. I mean, and also I haven't really had to, like, pay or change my my clothes too much. Um, I mean, I have one client who's definitely, like, way preppy and just likes me to be preppy. And that's like, okay, sure. <laughs> um, he likes me to just be, like, boathouse ready. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we might go any day. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but like generally like people don't really care and I've even had somebody who is like really gothy and like would have been down if I was gothy too oh that's that'd be lit right yeah (laughs) I've been I've been really searching or putting out the energy into the world that I want a black sugar mama Ooh. to come and take care of me I, I want her to be obscenely wealthy Ugh. CEO of some type Oprah. You know. yeah Oprah oh my god Oprah if you're out or there Gail. and you're I'm sure Gail gets Gail a little, too. little piece of that every yeah, now yeah yeah <laughs> and just yeah to come and sleep me off my feet yes and I'll I'll wear boat shoes. Yeah, <laughs> I can come with boat shoes. Yeah, or whatever. I don't. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's very idealistic, but very 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 idyllic. <laughs> very, you know what? But put that energy into the world because I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Know? I was like really sad because I was like on. Um, I was on Seeking. I recently got on Seeking again. Really? Yes, I know. Why? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't entirely hate it. Mm-hmm. I mean, people at least know that they're going to be spending money, you know, like to keep mm-hmm. you versus some other sites. Like, what's your price was not clear about that at all. Mm. Like, because they have like an upward limit of like $500 for a date, like oh. bidding and stuff. Okay. And so like, I would have to like take it outside of the app to, to get like, the rest of your to, money. To Yeah. To talk to them about like, so my rate is actually (laughs) yeah um and so it was just like confusing and like people were not prepared for that and they thought it was a real dating site and that that the money just gave them a little leverage Mm. to be more visible and i'm like okay fair but not quite what i'm looking for right um so but but seeking has been um interesting what was i saying about that you got back on seeking I got back on Seeking. Oh, yes. And I, uh, so then there was, like, this woman that, like, hit me up and was, like, she was, she seemed decent enough looking and and all and, like, was offering me an okay amount of money. It was less than I was, like, looking for. But I was, like, okay, like, I can probably, like, I wouldn't mind, like, bringing my rates down to have, like, more women clients. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm down for that. But of course, you know, these things don't tend to pan out. She was a bot. Uh, It was one of those terrible seeking bots. I'm so sorry for your loss. I know. If you're on seeking, there are like a number of scams on there that are like really obvious. Like one of them is like if the person like really early on says that they want to give you money. Like if they're like, oh, uh, I'm looking for a sugar baby to pay $900 a week for uh, da da da. You know, Mm -hmm. or like I'm looking for a sugar baby to pay $500 a week. Uh, Is that okay with you? Yeah. 
and then they say like um they tend to like be like oh but i don't trust these these payment apps like venmo and paypal i only do wire to wire transfer oh or like uh, yeah they'll be like what bank do you use like Mm. they'll gradually start to like try and get the information out of you like what bank do you use and like what's your real name and uh when's your birthday i want to give you a gift and da 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 so they gradually like build up enough information that they can identify steal your identity i was gonna say like identity theft you but that's not (laughs) that's not (laughs) they can steal your identity (laughs) oh that's so unfortunate i i really love my like femme clients like it's a really it's a blessing to have them it's just refreshing yeah it's a lot it's a lot like less intimidating for me like and it's a lot more lax like I don't I don't feel like I need to put on as much of a show but I do I do do the most for yeah. <laughs> but I don't feel like I have to you know what I mean yeah yeah I mean it's funny because like my female client like she asks the least and is like the most kind and generous with me like just emotionally and otherwise like not not as much monetarily I mean wage gap you know Mm -hmm. but like she's totally amazing and so I like want to give more and so I put in like the most work for her yeah but I feel like it doesn't feel like as much work like it it depends for me because I am spread so thin Mm. it is so like it's it's real (laughs) I mean, I, I I love her to death, and I'm like, you know, I would do anything. Definitely, like, her ride-or-die sex worker, but, <laughs> but you know, but like, still, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's still work. It's still work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Are we... Yeah. Can we cool it down? Yeah, we can definitely cool it down. <laughs> Let's cool it down by not talking about what we're grateful for. <laughs> I'm not grateful for. <laughs> oh. oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we're not grateful for you. You really want to do it? No. No? I, mean, I was thinking of it. I was, I was like, am I going to just say that I'm not really that grateful for the Biden administration. Say it. Say I'm it not, loud. I'm really not. I'm like, ugh. he just keeps, it's It's just like all of the same people from the Obama administration and like they're just the same people who want to continue fucking involving the U.S. in like the Middle East and shit like that. It's like, what the fuck? Stay the fuck we just need to stay in our fucking lane as a country because it's just this imperialism has got to go it's expensive yeah it costs people's lives and it's like we just keep wrecking the middle east like we just keep going into these places bombing the shit out of them as soon as like they've developed anything and then dipping and then fucking dipping and installing some puppet leader who nobody respects because they're a fucking puppet leader and then they try, and then they're like, "Oh, you're a puppet. Let's try and overthrow you." And then we have to come back and Ugh. do more bullshit. <laughs> we just have so much bullshit to do as a country. It's just, yeah. it's so unfortunate. There's a there's a great thread um, called "No Nuance November." Yeah, have you seen this? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, Where is it? And it's on the internet. It's on <laughs> it's on TikTok. There's there's TikTok oh, okay, and there's Instagram. Love uh, it. <laughs> uh, postings, but um, uh one of them was like uh women i hate <laughs> and it was just like oh. and kamala harris was on there of course ah, fucking kamala <laughs> uh, yeah. i mean uh, yeah just it's just unfortunate like i don't know like maybe i sh- i just was too young to do enough research on obama prior to him being elected and just saw a charismatic cool black man and was down but like I don't feel the same like you know blurring bliss of of the first black and immigrant you know vice president in our history yeah and I'm trying to like unpack like is it because Obama was a man? Yeah, same, I'm really, same. I'm really trying to like. I have that question for myself too. <laughs> you know, um, but simultaneously, I think you know, like, I'm forgiving myself for like being so down for Obama because like I was like a baby gay and like he, 
like made it so gay people could get married and like he uh, there were like social issues that like he shifted a lot for and like I mean it was such a different time too because I remember there was like a gradual like migration of Obama to being open to supporting gay rights and like I don't know if it was just like the politicking of it you know like Mm -hmm. if it was like he couldn't explicitly be like I'm out here for the gays like (laughs) Or if it was, you know, like he wasn't sure if homosexuality should be legal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, again, just trying to like forgive my younger self for not having my third eye as open as it is now. (laughs) That third eye. Yeah. Gotta (laughs) spread it open. (laughs) Just gotta spread, spread those holes. Well, on that note... Uh, thank you for tuning in to this holiday special, a very Corey and Selena <laughs> holiday, holiday, indigenous uh, people's appreciation yes. day that we've made post post uh, holiday. Yeah. Vitamin D deficiency is a real problem for non-white people living far from the equator. White and light-skinned people can absorb UVB rays, which are the rays that cause us to create vitamin D, within 10 to 30 minutes of exposure to sunlight. No sunscreen allowed. But, for example, black people may need two to three hours of sun exposure to absorb the same amount. So this becomes a problem as we move further into winter. There's a lot of conflicting research around the efficacy of supplements and providing the vitamin D necessary to aid the body in the ways that sunlight can. For example, it appears to not prevent cancer, which sunlight D can, but it is potentially linked to reduced deaths by cancer. Still, it's recommended to do what you can, especially if you work indoors. Additionally, sunlight through a window or in the shade is largely insufficient unless the sun is beaming straight at you through the window. It's weird or maybe not that there is so much conflicting info around this necessary vitamin while the balance of work and recreation are so off kilter. Like, maybe if you take a vitamin D supplement, you'll calm down and stay at your desk. And UVB rays cause skin cancer after all, so is the risk really worth it? Maybe sunlight is fully bad, as half of these papers keep suggesting. I'm skeptical of corporations publishing things on health, but I'm also not a professional, and I'm taking supplements, and I encourage everyone to do the same. While we still don't have conclusive data, we should take the precautions available. So anyway, how do we get vitamin D and avoid skin cancer? If you're lighter, probably go outside for 10 minutes and apply sunscreen once that time is up. Or eat fatty fishes like 5 ounces of salmon per day or 2 8-ounce cans of tuna. You want around 400 to 600 international units, or IU, per day of vitamin D. And very few foods provide this, which is why many are fortified with vitamin D. I'm not really sure about fortified foods, but mushrooms also have vitamin D and then egg yolks, though only like 20 IU per egg and let's watch our cholesterol. There's also an FDA approved sun lamp that provides UVB rays, but it's like $450. It stays on for five minutes every two days. Look out for overdosing, which is exceeding like 4,000 IU. Underdosing leads to obviously lower bone density, depression, fatigue, susceptibility to disease, muscle pain, joint pain, weight gain, rubber mousse, green goose, guava juice, giant snake, birthday cake, large fry, chocolate cake. And then as more and more evidence is backing that 80% of COVID deaths are linked to vitamin D deficiency, we can see that right now it's especially important to make sure we are fully loaded. It really feels like perhaps skin tones were adaptive and good evolutionarily. Fair-skinned people can be up north getting their vitamin D through the low light or like down south and then darker skinned people thrive well in intense sunlight for hours closer to the equator a major challenge for the mixing globe and as it's been basically proven about COVID and vitamin D we also have the data around black Americans dying from COVID and such what seemed to be an oversight around poverty and systemic racism like when they said that we're dying because we're vitamin D deficient may actually be just another major contributor factor and especially with how many of us live up north though of course the fact that many of us don't get enough sunlight or nutritious foods also points to systemic injustice so yes it's all linked anyway shout out to my people let's take supplements at least and if possible eat fish and go outside i just want you guys to remember that you're living on stolen land Mm. and uh 
that's yeah that's it um cory where can we find you one last time you can find me at the goddess cory on instagram on twitter uh i have a link tree you can click the links uh i have a venmo at hcore i have a cash app uh hashtag spcori lovely i'm selena the stripper at pretty boy girl on instagram at the real pretty boy girl on patreon support me read my stories they're very good um so uh join us on our instagram where we post about our historical hosts and you can actually see the pictures of the people that we talk about um i always like to see the pictures uh and i think you should too because it's it's enjoyable and this is not a visual medium but we got the visuals on our instagram and that's it all right, everybody, have a lovely week. Toodaloo. Bye. More money, I want your money. I want more money. 